All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Happy Friday, St. Louis. It's the Hancock and Kelly show. And for the first time in 2023, which I'm sure will be a regular occurrence, uh, we're without John Hancock, who is uh, taking some much needed rest. And I'm thrilled for he and his wife. They're out of town enjoying life. And kind enough to sit in with me is none other than the guy that mediates uh, uh, between Hancock and Kelly on our television show and just a great person in St. Louis, none other than Andy Banker. How are you, my friend? Hey, good morning. Good to be with you. I have more hair than John Hancock. I am more politically centered than John Hancock. I want to point that out. (laughs) So I'm not taking the right side, right? This is not a political show this morning. You've done radio before, haven't you? Oh, yeah. What have you done? Where'd you done radio at? Five fifty. Uh, yeah, five fifty. It was always a fill-in kind of situation. I never worked a full-time radio job in St. Louis. No, right. I did back in college and right out of college. Yeah, I kind of got my start in radio, I guess. And you are one of the. You're a graduate of the journalism school at the University of Illinois. The University of Illinois, not the University of Missouri. What made you choose Illinois? I grew up on the east side. Did you? Yeah. What and, part? Uh, Millstad? Millstad, Illinois, St. Clair County. That's a uh, went to area. high school in Belleville, yeah. And my mother just wanted one of us to go there. Uh-huh. And you know, my family's all St. Louis, all Missouri. Right. But they moved over there before I was born. And uh, she just loved something about that school. Oh. And she loves Mizzou. I mean, they, my parents always went to Mizzou games growing up. And right. I grew up a Mizzou fan over in Illinois. But she... She was one. She was the real big push on getting me to go there. But on Sunday mornings, when I see you uh, first thing in the morning, you usually give me an update on what happened with the Illini football team or the basketball team. basketball team. We play Michigan State tonight in it's, Champaign. Ooh. That's a big deal. I bet it is. It's, it's it's such a big deal to me, I'm afraid to watch. Yeah. You know, I don't feel this way about, I went to the Bragging Rights game. Mm-hmm. And Mizzou, surprisingly, trounced the Illini, but I didn't care. Right. I mean, I kind of root for Mizzou. I I care. I want Illinois to win. Right. But not like against Michigan State. No. Michigan State, it will turn my stomach if we don't beat them tonight. So I think he's the best co- coach in college basketball, Tom Izzo. Oh, yeah, but he drives me crazy. Yeah, well, he, he just annoys you. <laughs> yes. So uh, an Illini fan or an Illini graduate in the journalism department, you know, that's uh, is that a growing journalism school over there? No, it's a solid one, though, and it's been that way for a long, long time. There are a lot of us that people just don't know about. Some of our other colleagues at Fox 2 are from uh, the, the Illini School of Journalism, right? Uh, what's um, the, the young lady who did the, um, oh, yeah. does the traffic? Amelia McGavro. Um, Amelia does it? Yes. In fact, one of my uh, old professors, or the, the guy who taught me how to write broadcast writing, his name's John Paul. He's a reporter, former reporter, news anchor in Champaign. He gave me a heads up about her. He's uh-huh. like, you know, I guess they kept in touch. Maybe I'm talking too much. No, this is out of school. I know. I don't know if Amelia is going <laughs> to care about it. She's but on TV. She's not paying attention. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, he asked me to put in a good word for her, a good word word for her, and uh, be on the lookout for her. He thinks she was going to get the job, and awesome. Then she came in. She came in. She's like, "Hey, and, remember?" And you're not going John to be Paul? the last banker in the journalism realm, are you? No, we got one more coming out of Mizzou. Now, my son is a senior at Mizzou J School. Yeah, and he's How doing about work that? down because they have their own television station down at Mizzou. He works at KOMU. Uh-huh. He just uh, did a semester as a news reporter, and now this semester he gets to do sports, and that's what he really wants to do. So I've kind of followed my father into his business. He was into labor, and I was a big labor supporter in, in, in politics. But he always, you know, parents sometimes want their kids to follow, but other times they're like, man, uh, this was a hard thing for me to navigate. When he said, Dad, I want to get into journalism, were you like, oh, brother, don't do this? Yeah, part of me. I in no way pushed him, uh, but this is what he wanted to do, and he's talented. He's good at it. He does a lot of play-by-play stuff for football, basketball uh, on a radio station there, and he's pretty good. I wanted to do that, right? I wanted to be the voice of the Cardinals, but I don't think my tongue moves that fast. <laughs> but he can see what he said, or he can say what he sees. That's awesome. You know, and that's a skill. Well, he is Andy Banker. He's going to be with me all morning. We're going to check in with our good friend John Hancock here shortly. Your home for trusted weather and the Dave Glover Show in the afternoon. KMOX. Hey, it's the Hancock and Kelly Show, minus Hancock. No worries. He's going to join us at 9 o'clock. We'll get a check on what old J.H. is up to. He's getting some much-needed relaxation with his wife getting out of town. I'm not going to give him any trouble on it because he he deserves a nice little vacation. And kind enough to sit in with me is Andy Banker. Andy, thanks so much for being here. Um, And you've been... um, tracking uh, news here in St. Louis for quite some time. and <laughs> A few decades right, now. And one of the major sagas of St. Louis is the Metrolink. I bet you and I both remember when the Metrolink came online and how cool this was. Oh, yeah. And I, I can remember waiting uh, with bated breath for the Shrewsbury uh, extension. extension to open up because that opened up access closer to where I lived. And when that happened... We used to take it to ball games. My mother-in-law came over from Belleville on the Metrolink, and I picked her up there all the time to watch my, you know, when she came to watch the kids uh, when they were little, when we were, when Judy and I were both going to work. And that was in the early 90s that the Metrolink came online. Um, And I, I, too, I grew up in St. Charles. We used to go to the Hanley stop and hop the train and go down to the ball game. Um, and, and now over the last several decades, we've heard the stories, right? There's fair jumpers, there's crime on the Metrolink, seems to be regular shootings at different places. Um, there doesn't seem to be so much of a police presence. Don't forget we had that, uh, jostling that was going on between Metro and County police as to who was in charge of it. Uh, and now the business community is stepping up and saying, Hey, we're going to invest money into doing these, um, fair uh, gates, if you will, and they're spending $52 million. And where are they putting these uh, these uh, new uh, entrances? Well, they're not putting them in the places where the crime seems to be happening. They're happening on the east side, on the far east side, which is great. It needs to be implemented throughout the region, but uh, I don't know. It I just... think that's just to start to see how it goes, right? They're They're picking four stops on the Illinois side of the river where they're putting in the entry gates, which mm-hmm. are more secure. I think you have to stick a ticket in to get through. Right. Is my understanding more like the subway uh, in New York or the, do they call it the metro in D.C.? Sure. Um, 
And from the time Metrolink opened here, I can remember the first time I took it, you stuck your ticket in a machine to validate it, <laughs> right? So Stamp your ticket. Right, you stamp your ticket and get on the train. But there was no policing of it. No. And I was like, I wrote it, and no one checked my ticket. No one did anything. I mean, if you take the Long Island Railway in New York, there's a man on the train that comes and, you know, does the whole right. uh, Polar Express, <laughs> you know, clicks your ticket. You don't know what he's doing. Right. You're just hoping to God you got the right ticket and the right fare, and you did everything right so he doesn't kick you off the train. Yeah. Um, and you ride hours, and there's nothing. No. It's just... Well, and and sadly, though, Andy, and I, I'm speaking for myself, I don't ride the Metro anymore. Uh, and the reason I don't ride it is because of safety concerns. Um, you know, well, I, I think do... that's the, the truth for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I don't know the ridership numbers right now, how much down they are from their peak. But I know very few people that ride it anymore. And I used to, everyone I knew used to ride it. Well, remember when you used to come out of the Cardinal games and, I mean, there would be a line like, to uh, get you know, on. what are they handing out free money over there? Right. For people to get on the Metro to go, to get out of downtown. And now when you leave a ball game, not many people are going to the Metro. Well, and I think this will help. I, yeah. I think the other stops are going to have these uh, turnstiles right. and, and gates by 2025. So it's coming pretty quick. Right. I mean, I think they're all going to beyond and maybe that'll change the MetroLink experience. I also do you think we're our own worst enemy in St. Louis though? Because mass transit, no matter where you are, is going to have some degree of crime. Sure. New Yorkers talk about make jokes about the subways not being safe all the time. But if you're from St. Louis and go to New York, you're like, man, I, the subways are awesome. This I love the way this happens. Yeah, I go to DC, all my friends who live there are like you're riding Metro? I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. I don't need a car when I go to D.C. We just right. go wherever we want. And in St. Louis, I don't, you know, I, I just think well, we want zero crime on Metrolink, and that's not going to happen. No, absolutely not. Unfortunately, um, public transportation in general has never taken hold in St. Louis the way that it has in some other communities. And and that's probably more specific to the fact that the more west you get in our country, the more spread out you get yes. in, in transportation. And public transportation is not as easy to accommodate. But, I mean, like you said, I have friends in D.C. and Chicago and Philadelphia uh, and even parts of Florida who public transportation is a part of their lives. Um, but then you, the further west you go, it's just not – it's never taken hold. And then when you have these stories of crime and troubles, it, it stopped it. But I truly believe what makes it growing – um, a, a growing region is public transportation well, because so many people are dependent on it. Yeah, we're condensed enough. We just need more saturation, I would think, for to really know whether we're going to completely embrace it. But how long ago did Metrolink start? And we still have basically, you know, they opened the spur that goes to right. Shrewsbury, but that's about it in terms of the extension. You still can't get everywhere you need to go. You have to mix it in with buses. And people don't like buses unless they have to take a bus. I would do it. I really would. I mean, I have a stop less than a block and a half from my house. I would do it if, if it, one, it was regular um, and you knew the timing system like it happens in other places. And then, two, it was safe. But unfortunately, I, I work here at KMOX. I listen to the reporting in the mornings. And uh, it's it's caused some concerns for me. Well, you can take the uh, loop, loop trolley connector. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that What a disaster that is. I never even rode that, did you? 
No, but we talked about it on the Hancock and Kelly show on Fox 2 News. We all, the three of us, have to get on that thing. I would love to together. Ride it. It's cool. Yeah, have it you is been to cool. Kansas City since they put the uh, tram in? They have a tram that goes from downtown out to the plaza. And I've been to yeah, but I haven't been on it. It's it's awesome. And You've ridden it? Yeah, I have, and it's uh, it's it's free. Um, and uh, it's taking hold. People are actually doing it now. Is it police? Do you notice? Oh uh, yes. You're yeah, not worried a, about crime. I, I, there's not. A, there is a police presence. I wasn't necessarily worried about crime. Um, but then again, it's just one straight shot from downtown to the plaza. And Kansas City's kind of unique in that most of uh, where their growth and development and where people are moving into the city happens between those two pieces of bread, if you will. The plaza, which I think is arguably the best place in the state of Missouri. Um, we, I mean, we, there's nothing like it right. here in St. Louis. And then downtown Kansas City, which is kind of starting to feel the resurgence that we we had when Ballpark Village, et cetera, was built. It's uh, I, I kind of go to the same thing, though. I mean, you you thought about the tram in Kansas City because I mentioned Loop Trolley, and Loop Trolley has had some issues. Right. Right. But once it becomes the subject of uh, jokes, like we did here, it seems doomed forever in St. Louis. Like, why can't it work? Yeah. It's cool. It's something that no other place really has, you know? Right. And it runs through the heart of a real eclectic part of our region, One of a place you'd want to show people who come in from out of town. Mm-hmm. You want them to see the loop. And if they see that trolley going by, they'd think they'd get romantic notions in their head and think, Wow, St. Louis has got some stuff going on here, right? That well, I didn't know about. And and living in the West End, it would be awesome. You know, it goes there around the what is that? The History Museum. It'd yeah, be and awesome Forest if Park it could come up into the West End and even go into downtown St. Louis. Obviously, a trolley's not going to service you know an entire region, Correct. but the entertainment areas. It would be awesome if we had those kind of resources there's to be a, able to do. There's that. There's some ambiance, and there's hope that it would expand. And it, it just seems like St. Louis is where things come to die. <laughs> well, we're going to talk a lot about politics uh, in our next hour, but I, obviously one of the biggest stories yesterday was Lisa Marie Presley, the daughter of the king, passed away. Um, she uh, was reported yesterday around uh, noon uh, St. Louis time that she had been rushed to the hospital in California for cardiac arrest. Uh, her mother um, winds up showing up at the hospital, and later in the evening we find out she passed. Or were you an Elvis fan? Did you do you remember when oh, yeah. Lisa Marie was born? I do, and I, we we were talking about this last night at dinner. Uh, uh-huh. My family about how old was Elvis when he died, and I said he was way younger. And uh, my wife thought, no, he was in his fifties. I said, no, he's Lisa Marie's dad. Right. You know, he was only forty two. I wonder if I and I know he had problems. I, I you know, is there something hereditary with their Uh, medical issues. issues. I know some of it had to be brought on and self-induced or, you know, self-perpetuated, but it, it, it's sad. And it, when I'm about the same age, right. You know? So yeah, I remember Elvis's little kid and, you know, Elvis was, people don't understand how big Elvis was. He was the biggest star up to the time he died. Yeah. I don't remember Elvis myself. I was too young. Um, but yeah, he was the biggest star in the world. And, and then here, you know, you have his daughter who we all know married Michael Jackson. That was weird. Uh, listening to her bio this morning when Debbie was reporting it, I had no idea that she was married to, um, Nicholas Cage. Did you know that? No. Yeah. She was married to Nicholas Cage for like two years. And I was like, oh, I had no idea about that. 
and it was what about five or six years ago she sold the rights to Elvis's name to an independent company. Yes. Um, and so Graceland is now run by some independent group that will own Elvis's rights and names forever. I remember when he died and what a huge shock it was, even though he had fallen apart. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the late 70s. I think it was 1977 maybe. Uh-huh. Um, and we had been on vacation. And my mother said my Aunt Judy, her sister, was going to be crushed. Because uh-huh. she was a giant Elvis fan as a little girl. I was like, Aunt Judy loves Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the movie? No. The most re- it's awesome. The, the recent one yeah. where the kid won the Golden Globe? Yeah, it's totally worth uh, your time uh, if you've got some time this weekend. No, I'd love to see it. Time. Uh, the kid that, that does it was awesome. He really was absolutely awesome. And that's his name. That's the actor's name, right? The I, kid? I don't know what his name was. <laughs> How old are it, we? Yeah, right? <laughs> that, we do sound like old people when we talk. Yeah, See, no. that's why I have Hancock here, because he usually you know. does useless <laughs> stuff like that. You know, the kid that played Elvis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> well, that's... Myrna's boy. <laughs> 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 That's Andy Banker. I'm Michael Kelly. We're going to, uh, number one, check in with John Hancock when we come back. We're going to get the latest on what's going on with the Biden top-secret documents and a lot more about what's happening in downtown St. Louis. It's Hancock and Kelly on KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. Ah, yes. That would be uh, vacation music, one might say. It's the Hancock and Kelly Show. Andy Banker sitting in with me. And Andy, that other guy that sits with us on Sunday mornings, he's not here, but he joins us now on the phone. Mr. Hancock? I I think it's the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Is that what we call it? No. No, they're not there anymore. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. That, that, was, that was a few sponsors ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, you and your wife have gotten away for a little respite. Well-deserved. Uh, how is it? It's delightful. Absolutely delightful. It's going to be 76 degrees today. Uh, I finished. I had a client conference call a little bit ago. Now I'm talking to you guys. And then Jordan uh, <laughs> is taking me to the beach. Uh, I've got a book, and I've got a lot of sunscreen. Hey, you know what's going to make you feel even better, John? What's that? Anytime you're in a place like Florida and headed to the beach, when you talk to people back home in St. Louis and they tell you, hey, it's 27 degrees where we are with a 16 wind chill. Doesn't that make you feel better? It does. I feel good. Knowing us suckers are stuck back here. Well, but you know what? You got to work. You got to pay those bills, Andy. Yeah, and I'm battling a double ear infection. Oh, yeah, he's Ooh. back here. Yeah, he's using your earphones. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. I, got your, I got your sparkling new headphones on. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> hey, um, so did you stop by one of those warehouse uh, stores to get yourself a bucket of uh, sunscreen? Because like uh, me, the beach is not necessarily conducive for your skin. Yeah, no, it's, it's not good. I, uh, we, Georgianne is well-armed. Um, she is a beach expert. Uh, I am a beach novice. Uh-huh. And so, uh, but I got my book. I started reading it last night, and uh, it's kind of cool. It uh, flips back and forth from 1913 to uh, 1993, and uh, I haven't connected all the dots yet, but I think it's going to be pretty interesting. And what is it, a political thriller or what? 
No, it's it's revolves around the New York Public Library of all things, but I think there's going to be some kind of a mystery thing going. It, it, it's historical fiction, so there's a lot of real characters in it too. It's my my kind of book. Yeah. So this is one of the trade-offs you have to make when you're uh, married to a Greek goddess who can just yeah. walk out into the sun and and just become oh, yeah. this brown bronzed goddess. Uh, yeah. That you've got to take yourself there and 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 sit and suffer through it. Uh, you, you, maybe you ought to, you know, uh, take a little walk and say, honey, I'll be back in about an hour and a half and go somewhere and have a drink somewhere. <laughs> well, I will be scouting is all I can tell you. I, you know, I could, it's the least I can do. She loves the beach so much and she really needed to get away. So, um, uh, it's a, it's a small sacrifice, uh, to make my, my bride happy. Well, that's good. Hey, the world moves on uh, regardless of whether or not you're here. And obviously the big story, John, is uh, Joe Biden found with classified documents in, what, two or three different locations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Clearly making sure that you knew that it was next to his Corvette, which he keeps locked. Right. Um, this is not a good story for Joe Biden. Is it a like same comparison with Donald Trump, though? Well, I, I mean, yeah, politically it is. Uh, you know, whether the actual circumstances are the same, who knows? I mean, we don't know what Donald Trump was doing or was planning to do with the documents. And we also don't know what Joe Biden was doing or was planning to do with the documents. So, you know, at that level, it's the same. Now, the Biden people are, you know, uh, publicly disclosing that these things are out there. And that's good, I suppose. But I think it it mitigates a lot of the consternation that trump has received from the press uh just given the fact that biden's done the exact same thing in in so many respects that's what i was going to ask john i was i'm sitting here channeling my inner fox 2 hancock and kelly host on sunday morning and michael and i talked about this briefly uh earlier here on kmox uh does it really matter that Biden is self-reporting and Trump supposedly tried to hide the fact that he had all these documents at Mar-a-Lago? Because the reason we care is the same in both instances, right? Yeah. About these documents being where they are and not being kept where they're supposed to be. So is, yeah. this, a, is this a winning day for Donald Trump? Is he going to get off the hook easier because, you know, the powers that be in a Democratic administration and a Democrat appointed head of the Justice Department uh, aren't going to be as vigorous in pressing the case against Joe Biden as they would be against Donald Trump. Now they have to go after both. Yeah. And the one thing I would say is at a minimum, this is going to slow the grinders down a lot as it relates to Trump. Now, Garland has now appointed a special prosecutor uh, to look into the Biden documents and, uh, you know, the politics of this are very clear. This is this is good politics if you're Donald Trump, if you're Republican, bad politics if you're Democrat. Uh, in terms of the legal implications, I do think you're looking at uh, a much lengthier time of resolution in both of these cases now. And uh, so if nothing else, you know, results from this, I think that's a given. So the other uh, political issue that's gone on, uh, John, is John, uh, the Santos out of New York. Uh, the Republican um, caucus there from New York is asking for him to resign. Kevin McCarthy, rightfully so, is saying, you know, I, I don't, 
I don't know that he's broken any laws. He's not a truthful dude, but he hasn't broken any laws, and who am I to force him out of here? Uh, what's your take? Is this a sideshow that's not good for the Republicans and he needs to get out of there? Or is he going to entrench himself with the Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greens, and become one of these advocates against the man? Well, I mean, he's got that job waiting for him at Twitter to run Twitter if he uh, decides <laughs> to be uh, You know, yeah, no, this is a, this is a terrible look uh, for Republicans. This guy is obviously troubled. And, uh, you know, can he, can he be forced out? I, I kind of doubt it. I suspect, though, uh, there is now enough, you know, legal minds looking at the prosecutorial minds, looking at his finances. He's got that fraud allegation in Brazil. Uh, I suspect that if he is removed for con- from Congress, it's going to be on the basis of that. But I don't think he will be forced out by McCarthy, who's sitting on a what a four seat majority. And uh, but it's not a good look. The guy's uh, he's a troubled soul. I asked Michael this: Would there be more heat on Santos if he had a term that was longer than two years? I mean, he can be voted out in way less than two years now. You know, in about twenty yeah, months. He will, yeah, he will be voted out. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you I mean if he was a if, if he was, was a senator Senate, with a six year yeah, term, maybe the, yeah, the I can't imagine I can't imagine that a Senate candidate would ever escape the scrutiny on the front end to to be able to get elected with that kind of deceit. You know, and I'm frankly I'm shocked that a member of Congress in a competitive seat was yep. able to win uh with that much deceit going on. You Daddy know, Meyer, the, the, go ahead, John, I'm you, sorry. Well, I'm just to, to have missed any of that resume inflation is just malpractice. I was having a conversation with uh, a client this morning. We're talking about just that thing that, you know, whoever failed here uh, is probably looking for a job. Debbie Monterey said earlier, you really wonder if his name is actually George Santos. And that was kind of tongue in cheek, but honest to God, you do. Don't you? Well, yeah, there's nothing, (laughs) there's nothing, there was nothing concrete or real. Uh, about this guy that that we know, and you know, it, as I say, you know, Congress is 435 people in the House, and it's a reflection of the country, and this guy reflects that part of the country that is crazy. Hey, the airports were a nightmare uh, since uh, just before Christmas through well earlier this week, and I've been caught up in it. How was your uh, travel? Absolutely delightful, absolutely delightful, and uh, on time, landed nicely. Hopped in the Uber, got to the place here, Michael. It's a lovely place. And, uh, yeah, you we're, having so, a, we're having a – So what you're saying is that Pete Buttigieg runs a well-oiled machine? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I'm saying my flight experience was positive. Are you, uh, you going to uh, pop in to see the former president over at Mar-a-Lago while you're down there? Uh, probably not. It's not on the tour. Uh, I think we're going to do that lighthouse thing. Uh, it looks really interesting. They got a museum. It's a lighthouse that was built in 1860. Wow. And there's not much in Florida that was built in 1860. And uh, so I'm a history buff, as you know. So that, I think we're going to take that in and uh, eating a lot of good food. Well, good for you. Hey, John Hancock, enjoy your trip. He will not be with us on Sunday, but Hancock and Kelly will roll on on Fox 2 at 830. You'll have Mike Kelly there. Andy Banker 
And Gene Evans, the former head of the Republican Party, will be in with me. Buddy, I hope you have a great time. You and George Ann deserve it. Thanks, pal. Good to be with you. Safe travels, John. See you later. And that's John Hancock. Hey, when we come back, we'll visit with CBS News reporter Stephanie Lynn for the latest on the Biden controversy related to those top secret documents right here on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference. On News Radio 1120, KMOX. And welcome back to KMOX, the Hancock and Kelly show. We go now to our celebrity guest line where we're joined by Stacey Lynn, CBS News reporter in Washington, D.C. Stacey, thanks so much for taking a couple of minutes to join us here on KMOX. Uh, My pleasure. Obviously, the disclosure yesterday uh, of these documents coming out and now a special counsel uh, being appointed to investigate uh, President Biden's situation. What's the latest uh, that we've uh, we've learned? Well, this is clearly a major political headache for everyone. The Justice Department has a lot going on right now on its hands. It's investigating two cases of apparent mishandling of classified documents. Obviously, we've heard extensively about the documents seized from former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. Now these classified documents were found from President Biden's time as VP. We're talking about two batches of documents here. Earlier this week, the White House revealed that back in November, Mr. Biden's had found 10 documents marked classified at the Penn Biden Center in Washington, D.C. This is a think tank office where he used to have an office when he was VP. In December, a second batch of documents was discovered at his Delaware home. They found those in the garage. And yesterday, his lawyers told the Department of Justice about yet another document that was found there. So you mentioned Attorney General Merrick Garland has now appointed Robert Hur as the special counsel to take this all on and investigate as an independent here. He's a veteran prosecutor who served under former President Trump. And clearly, Republicans are calling for Congress to also look into what happened. So this has left us with a whole lot of questions. Clearly, Biden's team says his lawyers reported the documents to the National Archives as soon as they discovered them. That was November the 2nd. Important to note, this was days before the midterms. That was for the first batch of documents. And then December 20th for the second. They're making it clear they've been cooperating all along with investigators. The big problem here, though, and there are a lot of questions lie, many of the questions at least, why the big time lapse for disclosing and being transparent about these documents to the public? That is kind of one of the big red flags right now. The first batch was just days before the midterms, like I said, so you know, one may think that that maybe was why he didn't bring those to the forefront for the first batch in November. But there's clearly no reason that anyone has found yet that they didn't come forward when the second batch was discovered in December. We just don't know the answers to that. Well, it seems like maybe we can connect the dots there politically. Uh, you'd want to sit on that information. My other question, and I, I don't know if it's uh, out of the realm, is there any suspicion or any thought from the Biden administration or the Justice Department that there may be more documents out there. I mean, do they know where everything is? The garage, the office? 
I don't think so. And I think that's what this, um, the independent counsel, that's his job. It will be to figure that out. We're not sure, you know, obviously former President Trump, when this was first disclosed, was that with when are they going to do a big FBI search of all of his residences, all of his offices, et cetera. So from here forward, we have no timeline of how this is going to play out. We just know right now that um, there's two special counsels investigating these sitting and a former president, which is kind of an unprecedented situation that we're dealing with any massive political headache. Republicans, obviously, who now run the House, surely will be looking into this and asking a lot of questions. It is uh, quite a big mess. When most of us hear the word special counsel, we think back to Ken Starr and how that thing went on for years and years and years. Did Merrick Garland relate a timeline for either the investigation into Donald Trump or into Joe Biden? Is this something that could go on for years or is this something we expect they'll wrap up quite quickly? Well, I hope it doesn't go on for years, as I'm sure you hope as well. But he did not release any timeline uh, just starting out this this process. And, of course, the, the Trump process has been going on for a little while now as well. I am assuming they are going to want to wrap these up with a little bow as quickly as possible. But, you know, with Congress, with the Justice Department, with something of this big political magnitude, that is not going to happen. And since, as you mentioned, Stacey, it's happened to a sitting president and a former president. Does that lessen the blow for either one of them since we have these going on simultaneously? You know, two guys being investigated for the same thing at the same time, or are they just serious for both and they're both in incredibly hot water right now? Well, I, I would probably say, yes, it is serious for both. And I think there's going to be a lot of finger pointing from both sides. Clearly, I think what is being said right now is, you know, uh, President Biden says, you know, I didn't know about these classified documents and they've pledged full cooperation. The difference between the Biden situation and um, former President Trump's situation, he's under investigation clearly for obstruction of justice because he refused to return the documents for over a year that resulted in that big search of Mar-a-Lago where FBI agents went in and recovered more than 300. So what happens from here forward is the big question that we are kind of waiting on and waiting to find out what the timeline of this will be and if it is, in fact, going to drag on for a long time. Well, we'll keep uh, in touch with you so that you can keep us updated. She's Stacey Lynn, CBS News reporter in Washington, D.C. Thanks so much, Stacey. Thank you. Have a good day, guys. Yeah. So, Andy, I I, I mean, this is problematic, period. Number one, the classified documents are just this easily moving out of government facilities. Right. Uh, Obviously, but I don't see the comparison. I I do see the political comparison between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. But Joe Joe Biden, apparently, at least as we know the facts at this point, disclosed this voluntarily as a result of his own lawyers. Donald Trump... um, the, the, the government knew that he had them, and they were trying to get them, and he was obstructing, even under a subpoena, not turning them over. That is a notable difference because, as Stacey mentioned, he's being investigated for obstruction of justice, right? Not just having the documents where they shouldn't be, but trying to hide that information from the Department of Justice, which you can't do. On the other side of the coin, though, I brought this up earlier. Uh-huh. The whole end game here is that you're worried about the information in those documents falling into the same hands. So the risk is the same in both the Biden case and the Trump case. Fact. That's true, right? Yeah, fact. So it matters for both. Biden doesn't get off because he's helping out. 
and then he didn't. Did he really help out? Or yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, do we really know the up. whole story there? They maybe discovered these in November, and imagine that. Right before an there's election. no way they can mention that publicly before the election. Right, no way because Mar-a-Lago, you know better than me. Yeah, the Mar-a-Lago documents in the investigation that was an election issue. Right. So if you take that away from Democrats in the days before the election, it could have made a difference. Although, I, you know, probably how many people had already voted with early voting, yada yada yada. Right. But does you tell me? How much does it hurt politically? Well, I think it's, I mean, because Joe Biden and Democrats can't use that as a hammer no. over Trump anymore. And let, let's not forget you it was took my away side, the hammer, including right? Including me, who was jumping up and down. Oh, my God, this guy's a criminal. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. And, you know, I got sucked into cable news last night watching this and I turned on MSNBC. And, you know, here are those same people who were jumping up and down saying, no, this is different. You don't understand. And this is a good guy. And he wasn't, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander here. Correct. And I think that's where Joe Biden is. And ultimately, I think what this potentially means is that, look, they're not going to do anything to Joe Biden. They're not going to do anything to Donald Trump. And I think the, the noose that may have been tightening around Donald Trump just got a lot looser. Everything you just said there is why I think... The bulk of the American public is fed up, calls BS on all of it. True that. We just don't believe anything any of you people have to say to us anymore. Well, you won't believe what's <laughs> happened to one of the great buildings in downtown St. Louis. We all, if you're of a certain age, spent some time going to downtown, to famous bar. Maybe you went there at Christmas time to see the windows. Andy Banker is going to tell you what's happened to famous bar in the last decade or so after this on KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All-Star Closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod. There is another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Tom Ackerman, I'll be making two appearances at the Cardinals Winter Warm-Up this weekend. Sports on a Sunday morning from 10 to 12 and Monday from 10 to 1 with Chris Ranji. We'll be at Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village on the home of the Cardinals, KMOX. Hey, it's the Hancock and Kelly Show. Thankfully, Andy Banker, my good friend, uh, came in with me. Hey, you can see Andy and I on Sunday mornings at 8.30 on Fox 2. Uh, for the Hancock and Kelly show. You can see Andy almost every night on Channel 2. And Andy, I've been tracking your stories about Famous Bar 
in downtown St. Louis. Tell the people what's going on down there. The old railway exchange building. Yeah. Yeah, it's become quite a story this week. It has been condemned for occupancy. Uh, and a lot of people hear the word condemned. And if you drive by it right now, there are con- condemnation signs posted by the city of St. Louis all over the board boarded up windows. Yeah, so what does condemn mean? That it's unsafe? That it could fall down? That... No, and that's where people need to draw the distinction. I mean, they hear condemned and they think the wrecking ball's coming. Uh-huh. You know, that they're bringing it over. It's a 110-year-old building. And we honestly started looking into this. I mean, no one knew it was getting condemned. But we started looking into this because of the graffiti on the top. Remember at the top, it, it said famous bar right. on the top. It was the old famous bar department store forever, for decades upon decades. And, uh, started noticing uh, my boss's husband who works in an office downtown, Sky Fox, our helicopter would fly over. You know, you see all the signs on top of the buildings like Peabody and KPMG and Bush Stadium. Right. And you see the graffiti of matching size atop the railway exchange building, the former famous bar department store, which is 22 stories or 22 floors. And, you know, it's a million-plus square feet. It occupies an entire city block, but that graffiti dots our skyline. So we start looking into it. Uh Driving around the building on the ground this week, I noticed on every side, it it occupies, what are the streets? 7th Street, 6th Street, uh, Locust Locust and Olive. Okay. Yeah, that right in the heart of downtown. I mean, space. (laughs) Huge space, and it's in the smack dab middle of downtown St. Louis, every side had an open point of entry. Because we were wondering, how do people get up to paint the graffiti? Do they shimmy up the side of the building? You know, are there right. fire escapes somewhere? No, there aren't. Uh, so we didn't know how they're getting up there. Well, they were just going in through the uh, broken out storefront windows that everyone used to make a point of going to see at the holidays. You know, all the right. the Christmas shopping and seeing the trains and the ornate displays, you know, and the animated Santa Claus and all that were in all those windows. Well, they were kicked in on all sides of the building. And, I mean, these are giant windows. And you could just walk right in and take the stairs up to the roof and paint whatever you want. Well, if the the windows were knocked in, there had to have been homeless folks that had taken a camp inside there. So for over the course of a couple of weeks, the uh, city police department would go in there and sweep people out every couple of days. Uh-huh. It's really cold. I mean, if you stood by one of those windows, you could feel the cold air just rushing out. Um, I took a few steps in there. It it's just breaks your heart. It's dark, but you can still see some of the old racks. like kiosks and racks and stuff, and there's just stuff everywhere. And there was a... So the city uh, declared emergency condemnation, and they swept the building, made sure no one was in there, and then they boarded it all up again. Because the uh, ownership is it must be in some kind of financial trouble or insolvency. They're being sued because they didn't pay off the loan they took to buy the building. It's Hudson Holdings. Uh-huh. They're in Delray Beach, Florida. Right. No one seems to be able to get a hold of them or serve them with a condemnation notice. Uh, so that's a mess. And that's part of the reason nothing's been done with this building. It's... So- it's uh, is it's this... a very historic building, and it's one of a kind, right? Right. It's, it's the second largest building in terms of square feet in downtown St. Louis. So it is vital to the future of downtown St. Louis. A wrecking ball is not coming. It's in good shape. Yeah, two questions. It's got so... good bones, as they say. Yeah, two questions. And it's got all that terracotta 
tile, that glazed tile with all the ornate engraving on the outside, top to bottom. It's got 5,000 windows. It's a masterpiece. So the condemnation is more of a start of a process that, what, eventually allows the city to take this property from derelict owners, potentially? Force them to give it up, Uh essentially. I I think they'd have to go through other means, legal means, to take it. Uh, But they can impose fines now of up to $500 a day that the ownership does not bring it up to at least whatever the code is for an empty building to have it secured. But I mean, people came forward. We had uh, a man who lives in a a high rise downtown and could, and he took video of lights going on and off in the building at night. And the building's empty. It's wow. been empty since, uh, totally empty since 2014. Macy's after famous bar uh, shut down and moved out of there in 2013. So people are in there. Um, and hopefully not in there anymore. I mean, it, when it's cold, when it's that cold in the building, how are you going to stay warm? Yeah, well, they, that's the problem is a lot of times they start lighting They're fires. They're going to start a fire. You, uh, what about the graffiti aspect? Because uh, being a, a city resident and having lived downtown for 15 years, graffiti is a real problem in downtown. And uh, uh, obviously, what did you learn about the graffiti? I mean, uh, is it a gang-related? Is it just kids got there spray-painting? And no, the biggest, the biggest uh, thing you notice is Yapsack, Y-A-P-S-A-K. And that was being tagged all over the city about five years ago. I believe that's the work of an artist. And this is all anecdotal. I have right, not confirmed sure. anything. But I, I heard that maybe the artist has passed away recently. So you're not going to see that tag anymore. Um but it's certainly not anything fancy. I mean, if you go down to the graffiti wall along the Mississippi River, you know, just right. on the southern edge of downtown uh-huh. or just uh, the beginning of South St. Louis, there's some real art down there. Totally. There's nothing like that up on the top of the famous <laughs> bar building. It's it, it does not make the city look well, better. And the problem is, is that the, the old famous bar building, and it is a monstrous building, like you said, 22 stories uh, an entire city block. I mean, it takes you, you know, it's a quarter mile to walk around the doggone thing. Uh, it also is only a couple of blocks from our convention center that we keep pouring money into, hoping that people will come to this city. And it's such a, it bridges the gap from the convention center to Bush Stadium. You know, if you wanted to walk from Ballpark Village to the convention center, you walk through this hole where nothing's going on. You got the old post office fairly close. And on the east side, you got the Met Square building, which yeah. is beautiful. I was I did an interview in there yesterday. It was it's a. I just thought I haven't been in this building in so long, and it's still gorgeous. You know, uh, something needs to be done with this building. And the Greater St. Louis Inc. It's on their radar. You know the uh, the building division of the city of St. Louis that did the condemnation. No, this is front burner for getting something done, not for getting torn down. Uh, and when we did these reports, it touched such a nerve in St. Louis. You can't believe the outpouring, the love people have for this building. And it's all because of that old department store, Famous Bar. I mean, I'm old enough to remember taking my son, who's just turning 22, down there when he was a baby to see the trains in the window right. at uh, Christmas time. And everybody has memories like that. The French onion soup in the restaurant, oh, yeah. right? You can find the recipe around. People remember that. When I did one of these reports, when they were boarding up the buildings, uh-huh. and when they did the sweep, somehow a stack of old famous bar shopping bags. You know, if you bought a shirt, they'd stick it in the bag. 
right. were sitting there, all pristine. Wow. And they were just being thrown away. I took a couple and took them back to Fox 2, the newsroom. I wish I had up 500 of them. Yeah. I mean, people were almost crying when they saw the name and saw the shopping bag. Like, oh, famous bar. Everybody misses it. You know, so there's such a, a sentiment to do something with this building. So you would think something is going to happen there eventually once you get someone with ownership. But, you know, with all the other problems downtown, what are you going to do? It's It, it can't be all office space. Maybe you could put hotel space. Greater St. Louis, Inc. made the point with, with it occupying the whole block. It could be something different on every side. Right. Andy, uh, if people wanted to see these stories, they've obviously already ran. What, where can they follow you oh. on social media, and where can they find this? Fox2now.com is the website, and Andy Banker TV on Twitter and Instagram, and Andy Banker on Fox2 on Facebook. Um, a lot of posts there, which will direct you more to the website. That's where all my stories end up being posted. But, yeah, it's fascinating to kind of fall in love with that building again. And if you go down there and just look at it, you think, man, yeah, this is a treasure. Andy used to spend his Sundays at the Dome uh, as the voice of the Rams. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about that when we come back after this on KMOX. All the news and all that matters to you. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Hey, it's Hancock and Kelly, but, uh, well, it's no Hancock. It's Andy Banker, um, and he's kind enough to spend some time with me. Andy, are you? Um, I know you were the public address announcer for the Rams. Did yes. you ever get into any of the Battle Hawk stuff? The last six years. You know, I did that first go-round, but it was so short. Right. You know, it was short-lived, and I watched a little on TV. I did not get down to the Dome for a game, but I remember, I don't know if I did a report. I just remember the reporting that they were going to open the upper bowl because right. the of the dome because the ticket demand was so high. Well, uh, Hancock had season tickets and he was going to take me. And then that was when COVID hit. It sounded like an absolute blast. Yeah. Uh, And they were pretty good. Yeah. The brand of football was pretty good. So it's really exciting, you know? Yeah. There was no better feeling though, when the Rams were, were rolling here in downtown St. Louis and boy, you had a front row seat for all of it, didn't you? Well, I didn't do the public address during the glory years. I did the last six. Uh (laughs) Who was there before you? Jim Holder. Oh, yeah. Jim the Holder. voice of God. Uh-huh. Yeah, you talk about big shoes to fill. Uh, but the the Rams heyday, I was sort of a reticent Rams fan because I grew up a football Cardinals fan, sure. and I hated the Rams. You yeah. know, they were a rival. I remember them knocking us out of the playoffs the few years we got to go, and we had Jim Hart and Terry Metcalf and sure. uh, Deardorff and everybody else when the, when the Big Red were really good. When when you're up in the press box like that as your PA announcer, you get to rub elbows with the, with the biggins. You run into the Maddens and and those. Well, types you know of what world. was cool. So you know, my brother played in the league. I did. Yeah. Right. My booth was right next to the visiting uh, radio booth. Okay. So the opponent that was in town, uh-huh. be it I forget Warren Moon. I think he maybe did Seattle. Okay. So I hooked up with him, and Warren Moon was the Oilers quarterback when my brother was with the Jets and then the Browns, and they oh, were sure. bitter rivals. Like, we hated Warren Moon, uh-huh. and he was great. Right. You know, but he was always trying to beat my brother's team. Right. Uh, but talking to him, even though my brother was an offensive lineman and uh, Moon was a quarterback on the other team, he goes, oh, I remember him. He was a bad, you know what? Right. I was like, really? He's, oh, yeah, everybody knew Ted Banker. And then... uh other guys in the booth next to me, Sonny Jurgensen was over there. Wow. You know, 
But the, the funniest thing is, and I thought about this one during a bathroom break uh, during the show. Uh-huh. I had a three-minute window at halftime to go use the bathroom. Only three minutes. Yeah, and to keep my uh, voice wet and, you know, to keep the whistler wet yeah. and get through a game, I had to drink a lot. Drank a lot of water uh-huh. and occasionally just a sip of soda to sort of clear the palate. So I always had to go to the bathroom. And one Sunday, we were kicking the you-know-what out of the New Orleans Saints. And Sean Payton, their head coach, had torn his ACL a week or two before, so he couldn't be down on the sideline there. He had to coach from the press box, uh-huh. and he was on crutches. And I get down to the bathroom, which is on the complete opposite end of the field from where my line. booth was. Right. I got three minutes to do this. I get there, and there's a flunky, a young man in a <laughs> New Orleans Saints polo, and he's standing there guarding the door. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, how you doing? And he, like, stops me from going in. He goes, coach is in there. I go, okay. And I just kept going, opened the door, and Sean Payton's in there. He's done doing what he's doing. He's washing his hand. I said, hey, coach, how you doing? And he just growled at me. <laughs> I don't know if he was just mad that I was in there. I mean, he didn't just well, sigh. He, he was like, Ugh. He didn't say anything. He just made that noise. And then he, you know, Exited started out. hobbling out on his crutches. <laughs> and I was like, what a jerk. And then I thought, well, one, he probably didn't want to be seen in the bathroom on crutches. And right. two... You know, maybe maybe he went down his leg. I don't know what was going <laughs> Did on. Did you run by him on the way back to your booth? Did you <laughs> Probably. see him on the way back? No, he went the other way. Yeah. His booth was on the other side of the bathroom. But anyway, yeah, that was a pretty funny story, and we, you know, we were killing them. I don't remember what the halftime score was, but we went on to trounce them that game, and the Rams weren't great. The Saints were. So that probably so, had something to do with it. But so I went to football Those were games. good times. Yeah, I went to football games back in the day. But I have to tell you, football is one of those things that if I'm invited now, particularly pro football, I almost would rather watch it on television than in person because football is really slow in person, isn't it? Yes, it takes so long. And the timeouts are brutal. Yeah. You know, they're so long. Yeah. And you, if you're sitting there, you think... Think of all the commercials that are running at home and what I could be doing right. during the commercial breaks. Yeah. Well, and I prefer to watch football on television. I, I tell you a sport that I, I watch on television, but I prefer it in person. It's actually my favorite sport to go see in person is hockey. There's nothing like hockey. Yeah, I know. And while the action's constant, there aren't right. long timeouts. There are in between periods. But right. yeah, you're right. The game doesn't seem so long, even though it is almost three hours. Right. I like college basketball. I love going to Billikens games and Mizzou games and Illini games. Uh, but the Billikens are close and easy, so right. and they play good basketball. But you're in and out of there. 20-minute half, 20-minute half, 20 minutes in between. Yeah. Uh, and the timeouts aren't too crazy. There's a lot of them, but not as long. Yeah, it's a two-hour commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a baseball game, which we all love. Now, baseball's kind of different because when you're at a baseball game, you know, if you and I are at a baseball game, even though it's slow, you can have a conversation. You can't necessarily have a conversation at a Billiken game. Yeah. And we are who we are, though. You yeah. know, we're St. Louis yep. through and through, and Cardinals are all over us. Right. I don't know if we lived in another city and it was another team. Like, you know, if we were in Seattle, we'd probably complain about the length of a game. Right. But in St. Louis, it doesn't bother me the least. The longer I can be in Bush Stadium, the better. And and, and we St. Louisans are weird, right? We travel with our team, so we'll go see them in other cities, and you'll be like, man, there's nobody at this game. And how many times have you been to a Cardinal game where you look around and be like, boy, this stadium's half empty. It never happens. Some of us even buy condos in their spring training homes. <laughs> well, Hancock's down there right now. He's uh, probably over there trying to get a couple autographs. Yeah. Uh, we, we think about that. Jupiter? Oh, yeah. And think about it. What's today's Friday the 13th? Right. We're a month. 
One month away. Cardinal baseball starts back up. Pitchers and catchers report. Oh, man. But that's a cute little uh, area down there. If you want to see the Cardinals up close, getting down to Roger Dean's a cool place. You say you've been there. I highly recommend it. Yeah. it's You would not be disappointed. It's I think it's the best thing you can do if you love Cardinal baseball is to go down there. Yeah. And and just it's, everything about it is great. Yeah, and it, it, you can't really understand how absolutely close you are to these folks. Yes. It's unlike an experience that you have at, at the big ballpark here in St. Louis. So, the accessibility, uh, there's very little traffic here in Florida. It's just, it's so the best. Let's remind the people, what nights can they see you on uh, television as the anchor? Monday through Thursday, reporting, little fill-in anchoring on Fox 2, and then Hancock and Kelly Sunday mornings at 8.30 with John and Michael. And give them your uh, social media that people can follow you. Oh, we doing all that? Yeah. Andy Banker TV on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. And Andy Banker on Fox 2 on Facebook. One of the finest people you'll ever meet in St. Louis. He's Andy Banker. <laughs> this is the Hancock and Kelly Show. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.